this morning, uh, we're in Genesis 1, and I'd love for you to, to turn there. We're going to begin a new series today. I, I love, um, in preaching, I, I love the beginning of things, uh, new series, and I also love the completing of things, right? We like that, finishing of things. And so last week, we finished our 16-month journey through the great gospel of Luke. Today, we're going to begin... I think it's going to be about a five, six-week series on Design to Work. I'm, I'm still debating on that, that six-week, seeing what we're going to do. So, um, But have you ever been there? And I imagine all of us have at some point where maybe it's that, that Sunday night, and you've, you've had the weekend, right? You've had Saturday, you've had Sunday. For some of us, maybe that's not, not possible, but, but for some, it, it is. And so we have that Saturday and that Sunday, and, and it gets to Sunday night. And, and you get that dread feeling of, I've got to go back to work Monday, right? You've enjoyed the weekend, you've gotten yard work done, you've hung with the family, you've enjoyed time of resting, uh, you've enjoyed time of worship with the church and, and all that kind of things. And, 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 but then you know Monday's coming. Monday's coming and, and inevitably... It's around the corner. I mean, it's, it's Sunday around lunchtime, right? So it's coming. Um, or maybe you've been there and you've been at work and you, you watch the clock, right? You've been there maybe before you're watching the clock and you're looking at the watch or you're looking at your phone. You're like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's keep moving. You know, let's get, let's get moving a little faster. And you cannot wait, right, for the day to be done. And maybe we've been there before. We've had days like that. And that's real. Right, that that's that's real, where we maybe dread going to work. Um, maybe we are here this morning, and maybe we don't enjoy our work, and we don't enjoy our job. Maybe we don't enjoy what we're doing right now. Here's my prayer for this series, and especially as we begin today, is is my prayer is that we would see work through the lens of the Bible that we would see work through the lens of the Genesis perspective and specifically how God sees work, that, that we would long to have the attitude that God had toward his work. Because did you know God works? He's a worker, right? He hasn't stopped working. The Bible tells us he neither sleeps nor slumber. He, he works. He is working. We'll talk about how he has done that and even how he still does that, but God is a worker. So how could we imitate him with the work he's given us? And all of us have some kind of work, whether it's a teacher, whether it's, man, you, you sit in an office and you crunch numbers for, for some kind of business or line of work, and maybe you're an accountant, maybe, um, man, you wait tables, maybe you have a front desk job, you're in administration, Maybe uh, you are a housewife and you manage the house and that's your main job during the week. I mean, we all work. We all have different types of jobs. And so today, as we begin this new series, I want us to see how work is not a result of the curse in Genesis 3. It's not. Work comes before that. It's part of God's creative Order and he's designed all of us to 
work. And so as we look at this this morning, I want us to see God working in the beginning. So we're going to get some foundational things, um, how he worked, and lastly, how he valued his work. And here's the goal of all that, is that when we leave here, that we would pray and ask God, God, help me to have the same perspective about work as you do, that my attitude, right, would align with your attitude about work. And for some of us, this, this may be hard. I mean, I've, I've been there before. I, I've been there before, and um, it's been a long time since I've been there, but I've been there before where I, I dreaded going into work. And a lot of my dread was, was back in my, uh, when I was like 19 and, and 20, and I, I waited tables. And, and waiting ta- how many of y'all have waited tables in your work history? You guys have that on your resume? Not, wait, do that again? Wait, not many, right? Not many. Oh, okay, not many. All right, I mean, some, but I thought there would be more. I thought maybe that's where some of the beginnings begin for some of us, all right? Um, but I remember waiting tables, and, and I just, I mean, you've got it all there. You've got, you've got it all because you're doing a lot of grunt work. You're, man, I, I remember having to pick up things from the table that I didn't want to pick up, and I'm like, that, that's, I mean, that's gross, dude. I mean, and then you're, I mean, and you're dealing with all different types of attitudes, right? I mean, you're dealing with the people that just came in after a long sermon, after church for Sunday lunch, you know, and they're already fueled up, you know. Uh, Just kidding. So, but, I mean, you're dealing with, maybe with people had a long wait. I mean, I mean, maybe the food didn't come out right, right? I mean, you name it. You name it. And, and, and so I remember that. I, I remember, but then also as a waiter, you had other people you had to work with. <laughs> and and I, I remember, I'll give you this short story and then I'll move on. But I remember uh, I worked at Chili's in Carrollton. So this is one of my great epic fails in the employment world. And I've shared this a long time ago, and I'll share it again. Some of you, many of you knew. And um, so I want my sons to cover their ears at this point especially my older one. So I remember waiting tables, and I had gotten to a point. I mean, I was doing pretty good with my attitude and, and, and lining up with where we're going to go today. Pretty good as a, as a young punk when I was 20. And I remember one night, and see, as a, as a, when you wait tables, your job's not done when they say, hey, you know, we're not going to seat you anymore. You're, you're done for that. You're not, your job's not done because you have to make sure your area is ready for the next day. And so you got to fill things up, salt and pepper, make sure the little caddy has got sweet and low and sugar, all that kind of stuff. And, and I will never forget this night when they said, hey, listen, you're going to have to go uh, help that girl out in, with her area because she already left without doing it. And I thought, I got to go do her? What? Yeah. So here's what I did. So this is epic fail, all right? So I walked out. It was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I was frustrated. It had been a long day. I think the word to double. So I was already frustrated, and I had the smell of fajitas, and I had stuff on my hands. And I, mean, I just, I was like, I'm, no, I'm, I am done. And I remember walking out, and I said, I'm not just done for tonight. I'm done 
I was done. I was done. Epic fail, right? Epic fail. And I left. <laughs> I left. Proceeded to get another waiting job. I never talked to them again, all right? <laughs> but here's what I did. I remember when I started in ministry, I remember sitting down one day, and I, had, I was working on a, a sermon to give to our middle school students. Um, and I remember one week, God just reminded me of that episode when I left. And I remember sitting down, and I wrote a letter because the manager was still there. I knew it because I went in there. <laughs> and so, yeah, <laughs> chips and hot sauce, and it was like, uh, <laughs> still want chips and hot sauce with ranch on the side, please. All right, nothing like this. Oh, anyway, so, so I wrote a letter and just wrote a letter and was like, man, I, I messed up. And just apologized and apologized and said, you know, that wasn't very Christ-like and, and just communicated that. So, because sometimes work gets to that point where you're just like, gosh, I'm done, you know? And for some of us, maybe we feel like we want to walk out like I did. And some of us, maybe we've been there. Right? So, so work can be tough sometimes. Working with others or what, whatever, the, the grind, it can wear on us. It can wear on our attitudes and, and really cause us to struggle at times. So here's what I want to do. I, I want us to see God's work. We're going to define it. All right? So this can be kind of fun. Look at some, some stuff here in Genesis 1. But then mainly I want us to see how he valued his work and, and how that communicates to us how we work. Okay, and so let's look at Genesis 1 if we could as we jump into this. Um, Genesis 1, verse 1. First thing we're going to see is God's work of creating, okay, of creating. What's cool about the Bible, it doesn't begin with man. It begins with God. And so look at verse 1. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so here we start off with a very general statement. Okay? Very general statement. And it says, in the beginning, and I love this, God, right? God. That word right there is Elohim. It's a plural noun. It allows the possibility of God being um, more than one in the sense of the Trinity. Okay? And so it's backed up when you go to Genesis 1.26 where it says God created man. And so we see the communication in Genesis 1.26 of the Trinity. He says let us make man in our image. So the plurality of, of, of pronouns there, right? The words being used. It is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit communicating to one another. And so we see this divine community, divine uh, persons communicating to one another. And so here we have God in the beginning. God exists eternally as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Psalm 90 verse 2 says this, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before this all begins here, God always was, and he always will be. He is eternal. Father, eternal Son, eternal Holy Spirit. They are inseparable in their substance, distinct though in their persons, all present and active in creating the heavens and the earth, right here in Genesis 1. So much so that Paul says this about Jesus Christ in Colossians 1, 15, 17. He says, he is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by him, by the way, that doesn't mean that uh, Jesus was created, all right? Um, 
he has always been. But then if you look at verse 15, for by him all things were created, by Jesus, both in the heavens, on the earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things been created through Jesus and for Jesus. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, even still today. He is holding all things together. So that's Jesus' involvement in creation. And then Holy Spirit, Genesis 1-2, which we'll uh, look at even more depth just a second. It says, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God, was moving over the surface of the waters. And so we see here the triune God, right? We see in verse 3 as well, the triune God is involved together in creating the world, right? And so we see in the beginning God, and then it says created. And so that verb right there is, is the word bara in Hebrew. It describes the divine activity of fashioning something new, something fresh, something perfect. And, and so that's what God is doing here. And he is doing this work, and he's creating it out of nothing, all right, it's the phrase ex nihilo, out of nothing. And so this isn't some random chaos or accidental order. This is a work that only God can do, and he brings things into existence. And he does such a work of, which is called bara, or creating. And so this isn't just material existence that we're gonna see here. No, this is even functional existence. So like fire, clouds, destruction, calamity, darkness, righteousness, purity, the, the cosmos, all of this, he is creating these things. And so it's less like a machine. It's more like a kingdom is what God is creating. Psalm 102, verse 25 says, of old, you, God, founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. And so what we see right here in verse 1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We see God marking out the beginning of time and space. In fact, what we see here is we see the most primitive foundations of our universe, right? Even in verse 1, it says, beginning, that's time, in the beginning. And then we see that God created, that this idea of creating is force, okay, um, the heavens, space, God created the space, and the earth, which is mass. And so we see these primitive foundations. God created all of this. And then look what happens. After he gives this general statement, Moses does, all right, he then communicates in verse 2 some specific things, okay? So look at verse 1 as kind of this general overall statement. Then verse 2, he gets down to the specific um, there's no shape, there's no life present on the earth. And so look what happens in verse 2. The earth was formless, void, darkness was, hovering, uh, was over the surface of the deep, and then the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, I read that, I've read that verse a lot over my lifetime, but this week I don't think I ever read it like I, I have this week and, 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 and just stopped. And can you imagine what that was like? Can you imagine what that was like? The Holy Spirit hovering. In fact, in Proverbs 8, 27, it says, When he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep. And so what God is doing here is he's inscribing the earth, this circle 
right? As Proverbs see it. And, he, and Proverbs, remember, it's the book of wisdom, and he says, I, I was there, meaning wisdom was there. God was there. The all-wise God was there. Wisdom was present, right? As he creates the earth, God puts the planet into place. And, and so here you have a picture of a world waiting. It's been placed there. The Holy Spirit's hovering, and it's, it's waiting. What's it waiting for? It's waiting for God's light-giving, order-making, life-creating word to be spoken. There's anticipation. That's what we have here in verse 2. The state of this original state of this visible creation is um, waiting for this majestic announcement. And the, the Holy Spirit of God is, is hovering like an, an eagle that hovers over its young when they're learning to fly. That's kind of the picture here. And they're waiting, they're anticipating the divine Holy Spirit of God, the Son of God, the Father. They're waiting to communicate and to speak. Can you imagine this waiting? I, I can't imagine it. There's this anticipation. And what's the anticipation for? It's for God's word to speak things into being. And so that's what we have here. And so that's what we're going to see is that the God is going to create. And we're going to see the work of his creation. We're going to define it. What did he do? And so to do that, look at verse 3. It says, then God said. I can't imagine this moment. Let there be light, and there was light. The invisible God speaks, and with his words, he Creates. So this isn't magic, but it's God powerfully speaking things into being. And so we see in the sixth day of creation of God's work what he's going to specifically do with this idea of creating. What is he going to do? So look at verse um, 4 real quick. Before we do, here's what I want to do. For the sake of just some division here, uh, for the sake of, of just some order, you could say, with the text. Um, I want us to look at days one through three. I'm not going to read every verse, but I want us to look at days one through three. But here's what I want us to see. I want us to define God's work, and here's why I want to define it, his creative work. In days one through three, primarily we see God separating and gathering. Separating and gathering, and it gives form to the earth. All right? In days four through six... God's work mainly was making and filling, which removed the emptiness. And so those are really the, the two ways I think we can see or define his work of creating. And so look at verses, uh, or verse, verse 4. We'll see how he does this separating and gathering that gives form to the earth. Verse 4, it says, God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Can we just pause for a second? When God speaks light into the world, right, you know right here, it's not the sun and it's not the moon. It, th this, is, this is a majestic moment that God is speaking his light into this world. This is pretty amazing. If you go to Revelation, and what's the destiny of the church? What's the destiny of those who belong to the kingdom of God? It's the new heavens and the new earth, and there will be no night. Because Why? Jesus is going to be there, and he is the light of the world. There will be no need for the moon or for the sun whatsoever. 
that amazing to think about? And in this moment, there's a little taste of that because it's the light of God that's shining in this moment, right? He's communicating this light, his, his presence. It's pretty, I think it's pretty amazing what we see here. So, so let there be light. So, but then he separates that light from the darkness. And so you have this separation going on, and listen to what's formed. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So he forms night and day. So you see this, this type of creating that he's doing. And then look at the other verse. In verse 6, it says, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And so verse 7, he separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And what did this form? In verse 8, it formed the heavens. Okay? So you see this work of separating, this work of forming. And then in verse 9, he says, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. So this gathering he's doing, and what did this form? It forms land and it forms seas. Right? And then he's going to cause in verse 11 through 12, the sprouting of vegetation. This formed plants that yielded seed and fruit trees bearing Fruit, And so we see this separating and we see this gathering to form the earth, right? But he's not done yet. Look at day four and on. It says in verse 16 that God made the two great lights and stars also. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? God makes the sun. <laughs> that blows me away. He makes the sun. And then if you think about Colossians 1.15, that Jesus is holding all things together. He's still holding the sun together and the rotation of everything. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing of the earth. I just, I, I'm baffled at that, amazed at that, blown away. But God makes the sun, he makes the moon, he makes the stars also here. So he's making He's make them. And in verse 17 it says, he placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth. Verse 21, jump to that, it says he created. So he's making, right? He's creating the great sea monsters. Remember, this is out of nothing, right? He's making the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their king and every winged, or kind, sorry, and every winged bird after its Kind. By the way, we're stumping totally evolution here, right, with these verses, okay? God blessed them, saying, be fruitful, multiply. And then not only the making, but look at verse 21 or 22. He, he blessed them, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So it's making and filling. Verse 25, God made the beasts of the earth after every kind, the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. So he's making. And then down in verse 26, the pinnacle of his creation. Let us make man in our image. So you see that plural capital O there? That's the triune God communicating. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And so God is making verse 27, God created man in his own image, right? By the way, this is the only created thing that is created in the image of God, is you and I, right? He created them in his image. And then it says here, male and female, he created them. It's important to note here, the day we live in, 
the attack against gender and sexuality, we see right here, God is the creator of gender, of male and female, both, right? Not a work of man to change or anything like that. It is the work of God. God creates it. And right here we see it in the beginning. So he creates, he fills. And so the emptiness is removed. God has filled and made all that he's filled the earth with. And so amazing, right? And many of us have read these verses before. We get this, right? But I want us to see this. I, I want us to see as God steps back, and we see it on day one. We, we see it on other days. But in verse 4, I, I want us to see how he greatly valued his work. Because look what he, he does in verse 4. He, he steps back. He says, God, said, God said, saw that the light was good. He saw that the light was good. Verse 12, he says this as well. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, trees bearing fruit with seed in them and after their kind. And God saw that it was good. The same thing in verse 18. The same thing in verse 25, and then you go down to verse 31, and God saw all that he had made. Imagine, he created everything, and man, the pinnacle of his creation. There on day six, he said, it is very good, very good. God looked at his work, he observed it, and he was excited. He was overwhelmed with joy about what he had created. Because what he had created was glorious. So glorious that Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. You see, his creation is glorious and it is communicating even still today and will his glory to all. And it gave God much joy and excitement to create it. And when he was done on day six, he was blown away. Wow, look at this. It's like this. It's like when, um, I'm, I'm trying to think how we can maybe compare this to, but it's like when you, when you mow your yard. And you've, you've finished mowing and weed eating and blowing and all that kind of stuff. And you've got everything trimmed up. And you sit back and you just kind of sit there going, all right, this looks good. Now, if my wife was chiming in on this, she would go, the left side looks good. But that right side, those roots have come up from those trees. And, you know, <laughs> just playing. You know, I mean, but, but you know, when we're done, we're like, hey, okay, okay, it looks good, you know, and there's always needs for improvement. But, but you know what I mean? When we're done mowing, like I would be like, hey, but the side yard, dude, that looks, that's a killer. That looks really good. That looks awesome. I, I, that's how I get excited about the side yard. Um, so it just looks, it looks freshly mowed. There's just something about a yard that's freshly mowed. We sit back, we enjoy that. It's, it's like when the laundry's done. And there's nothing in the basket or the laundry room, right? And some of y'all are sitting there thinking, what? I've never had that happen before. <laughs> it's really like, but, but sometimes in our house, we hear the jubilee of when that happens, right? 
And then there's a couple things that happen after that. Like 60 seconds later, they'll be flying across the room like a, a shirt that goes in the laundry room. And it's like, really? 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 Or you go up in a, a kid's room and you find a pile in the corner and you're like, you just ruined it for me. Thank you. No. You know what I mean, though? You sit back and you, and you enjoy your work. Or, or maybe you got a bunch of stuff done at the office and... It was a job well done. Maybe it was a, a project you've been working on for a while, and you step back, and, and then all the bugs have been fixed, and everything's been working. You sit back, and you just enjoy and say, yeah, that's great. Good stuff. You know, we, there are times like that. We, we, we experience that. And so here God saw the work of his separating, of his gathering, his forming, his making, his filling, and he saw the work of making us, and it gave him much joy and satisfaction. So here's a question for all of us. In light of this, what if you and I valued our work like God did his? What if we valued our work like he does his work? Because I think when we do, it's a game changer. When we start thinking like that, our attitude change. When we start seeing work and valuing work like God did. And does. See, I need to see my job, my workplace from the Genesis perspective, right? From God's view. I think what this does, it makes Sunday nights better for some of us. It makes that looking at the clock maybe go away and the attitude in the workplace better. And if we have the attitude like God, it influences and speaks to how we work as well. Think about this for a minute. What is God doing in his work right here in Genesis 1. He's bringing order. He's separating. He's gathering. He's forming. He's removing emptiness with the great purpose of what? Displaying his glory. You see, God loves his glory. His great passion is to display his great name and glory to all. What if we saw our work like that as an opportunity to display the glory of God. Because that's what, how the Apostle Paul saw everything, even work, even eating a meal. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Paul says, whatever then, you, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, Paul had in mind anything and everything, do it all to the glory of God. My kids get tired of hearing this verse, I think. I try to nail this into them, right? With schoolwork, especially going to school and everything. We are to do everything for the glory of God, even work, even our jobs, even chores, our work. So think about it like this. I know we have some in here that are hairstylists. We heard this joke, some of us did, elders and staff at DTS, but Say someone comes in and you're a hairstylist, what are you doing? You're bringing order, right? You're bringing order to people's hair. For some of you, you might go in, you might, can you fill this in? No, no, you have to get product for that, right? But what are you doing? You're bringing order, you're, you're, you're making things look beautiful or better, right? For what though? For the glory of God. For the glory of God. God, 
What, what if you work in an office and you, one of your main things that you do, right, is, is filing? I mean, how many of us, when we wake up in the morning, we're like, dude, I can't wait to file today, you know? Or organizing, right? I mean, what are you doing? Think about it like this. You're separating. That's what God did. And putting things in order. What if you did all that? For the joy of the glory, for your joy and for the glory of God. I'm just being practical. Think about this. This is f- for someone near and dear to me, but it's also for all of us. Okay. Say you're a host at a restaurant. All right. What are you doing? You're removing emptiness, right, at a booth <laughs> or a table. And you're removing emptiness to a waiter or a waitress by giving them work and a potential tip. What if we thought about it that way? What if you did all of that with joy and for the glory of God? So you see, it's just it's an attitude change with all of our jobs. What if we got a little deeper? I'm gonna, let me just go a little bit deeper into the attitude of God here. What we see here is this, go with me here, right? We see God's love for himself. I'm gonna say that one more time in a different way. We see God's love for God. For some of you sitting there thinking, hold the boat for a second. God loves himself, yeah. Yeah, and, and you want him to, because if he doesn't love him as the highest of goods and the greatest of good. He's an idolater, right? And you don't want your God being an idolater, right? God loves his glory. If you look at John 17, you see the love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we see here in the creative narrative that we have here, we see God's love for God. And we see God's love for people. And so the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Spirit, and on and on. And their greatest of loves is God. It is, above any other love. He also loves people, and we see that in this creative order. He creates humanity, the pinnacle of his creation, created in the image of God. And he fills the earth with all these things, plants and animals and all these things for them to enjoy. And he provides for them so they can eat of these things as well. So we see the love of God expressed in his work for himself and for people. And so we continue to see the love of God, right? We've seen it all the way to the cross, to the resurrection. We still experience and know and see the love of God today. What if, right, What if we had that same attitude, love for God and love for people when we went to work? Because I think what we see in that is we put on, what we see put on display when we go with that kind of heart and that kind of attitude, we see God's glory magnified and displayed. Because that's what's going on here. That's what's going on. What if we work with that as our goal? I mean, what if we woke up in the morning and that was our prayer? God, I want to love you 
in all I do today and especially in my work, and I want to love people. Because, I mean, that was, that's, right? We've been given that command that sums up all that God desires for us. But some of us know, man, that's hard to do. It's hard to wake up to do that. But what if that was our motivation? Because I think and I believe that's what's at the heart of God here. See, once his glory put on display, it's motivated by his love. And what if we were motivated by that? It would change the way we work and how we see our work. That it's an opportunity by how we work and what we do to, to love God and to love others and to put on display the glory of God. We can sit back when we've done that We've had that kind of attitude to our work, and we see our work that way. I think at the end of the day, we could sit back and go, that was good for the glory of God. Very good for the glory of God. That we would be excited about our work like he was. I think the only way we get there is with that kind of attitude. And I think when we, we see work like that, we work like Paul says, Colossians 3. 23 through 24, Paul says, whatever you do, again, whatever you do. He doesn't specify what kind of work, and he's not saying, hey, listen, for you guys that do this, maybe not that. Now, he doesn't say that. He says, no, whatever you do, whatever work. And so this goes down to, I mean, like students in here as well. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, when my parents gave me chores. I was like, I dreaded it, right? I mean, we dread, you, you dread that. I mean, even the small, you know, minute task of taking the trash out, you know? Whereas an adult, you're like, why are, you, why are you mad about taking the trash out? This is pretty minute and pretty easy, right? But I mean, so this goes, when, so when Paul and when Scripture talks about it, even down to those little jobs and little chores that we do, I mean, it's an attitude change, Right? And so he says here, whatever you do, do your work heartedly, heartedly. What does that mean? From the soul. It means this, with enthusiasm, right? Context of Colossians 3 is slaves to masters. So whatever you do, (laughs) can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Whatever you do, do it from the soul with enthusiasm as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance it is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve so Paul saw work like God did right here in the beginning he saw it as an act of ministry he saw it as an act of worship that we could worship God with our work And so the whole goal today as we get out of the gates on this series is an attitude change about work. That we would see work like God sees it. That God would change our perspective of how we see what it is that he's given us to do for work. Whatever that work throughout the day is. That we would value our work just like God did. And that we would look at work just like he did. That as we go, we want to love God and we want to love people. So that the glory and the name of God would put, be put on display through how we do our work. And through the work that we do. 
And we're going to talk more in the next few weeks about what that looks like and everything. But just getting us out of the gates begins with that attitude. It's a game changer. It's a game changer when we start thinking that way. That we would work the way that God did. That's what closed today. One of the most amazing things about God, and we said this earlier, is he does not sleep nor he nor does he slumber, but he is a God who, who works, and he is still working today. And we read in Genesis 1, in the beginning of verse 2, that his work of creating the earth was, was done. It was finished. But his work of creating is not completely done in this sense. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, excuse me, verse 10, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Here's what God is doing. God is creating a people today, his church, the kingdom of God. He's creating a people. He's creating a people in and through his son, Jesus Christ, who died for him and and rose or died for us and rose again and conquered death on our behalf so that we could now be children of God. God is doing that work. It's his sovereign work that he is doing. Jesus, his work, he was about the Father's work. That's what he was about. And he did it for you and I. He died on the cross and he rose again for us. And he wants to create a people. That's what God's doing And one day, we'll be with him in heaven. And so, today, if you're in here, the Bible says, back up in Ephesians 2.8, by grace through faith, we are saved. It's by grace, the grace of God, that we are saved. It's not a work of our own. We can't earn salvation, right? We can't do all these things to be saved. No, simply, it it is God's work. He is creating a people. And he comes in by his spirit, and he changes our hearts, and he changes our minds. He brings us to a place of belief and faith, to trust in his son, Jesus, to save us. And the Bible says that God saves us to make us his people, and he gives us eternal life forever. And so we're a new creation. That's what Paul says. The old things are gone. Behold, the new things have come. And that's the work of God on your behalf. And that's what salvation is about. You can't work for your salvation, right? You can't earn it. It's a free gift, and God's done that for you. And so today, have you believed? Have you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? See, one of the things the Bible communicates to us is that's something we need to profess, something we need to confess, right? that belief, and so we saw Gianna today doing that through baptism, right? And that's something, man, if, if you come to that place in your life where, where God is making you a new creation, he's made you a new creation, he wants you to tell others. He wants you to communicate that to others. And so as God does that, man, let people know. Or if God is, is working on your heart, you're like, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on here, but God is doing this, and 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 maybe it's 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 a time where you need to just say, hey, I believe. 
in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done that before. But God is working. And he is working to create a people for himself, to be with him forever. Let me pray.